We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Thursday edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. Uh, we have a double dip. I'm back with Alex Perutha, second time this week. Alex, it's been a while since we've recorded uh, twice in the same week, but we have breaking news. I mean, John Henson will not be retained by the New York Knicks beyond the duration of his initial 10 day contract. Uh, we haven't had an emergency podcast in a while, but uh, I felt that this warranted one. It does. Yeah. My, my lasting memory of John Henson is going to be. I, I went to the opening game at Pfizer Forum for the Bucks, and um, he came off the bench and hit went two of three from three, um, and and that was a shock. Like if you if you are tapped into John Henson's career, I am. if you're a Bucks fan, you know that he's just a left left jump hook god. Uh, wasn't really much of a shooter, and then Boonholzer was like, nope, we're we're having you stand in the corner shooting threes. Um, that role was eventually handed over to Robin Lopez, who also, uh, eventually <laughs> was let go from the Bucks. Um, but that, yeah, that'll be my memory of Henson just being absolutely shocked that he was like standing in the corner shooting threes for the Bucks. I have nothing to add here. I just wanted to note that, uh, we should transition though, to a player who we could probably talk a little bit more about in terms of a retrospective in LaMarcus Aldridge, who abruptly retired this morning. Uh, I did not like the way that the tweet was phrased by Shabs Rainey of The Athletic. I immediately sent it to you with like 70 question marks. It was like, what is going on here? I, I felt that that was an intentional 
like misleading uh, phrasing in that tweet by Shams, who followed up a couple minutes later, noting that it was due to you know the irregular heartbeat that had been an issue for Aldridge a couple of years ago, seemingly had moved past it. Um, you know, obviously there had been some sort of recent issue that that prompted this, but uh, I mean, it, it was kind of a nice little resurgence, I thought, for Aldridge in Brooklyn. It looked like he was going to be, you know, not just a hanger on, I think, for what was maybe going to be and still might be uh, a title run. And the way he was contributing, I mean, he was playing almost 30 minutes a game right off the bat. Um, I, I think it was it just speaks to how serious this condition is and how much it, it kind of seems like it it freaked him out, for lack of a better term to give up easily the best chance of his entire career to get a title um, and just hang it up this abruptly. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was, it's, I was surprised at how good he was for them. I mean, he was, you know, like 13 points a game, 50% shooting, but yeah, I mean, he would have been nice in the playoffs too, because his ability, yeah. he wasn't really shooting that many threes for Brooklyn, but he would have had the ability to be a stretch five for them in a way that, you know, like they can play Kevin Durant at the five, but that's not the same as having Aldridge be a stretch five. And they've kind of lost that dynamic now by by him retiring. Right. And again, this wasn't if they win the title, this wasn't going to be LaMarcus Aldridge uh, getting a really sad ring at the end of his career, you know, playing four and a half minutes a game, checking in for 30 seconds at the end of game five, you know, to, to get his finals minutes like he was going to be a, a big time contributor for this Nets team. So it's you know, they, they have plenty of depth. They're the most talented team in the league still. Um, but it, it, it nonetheless is a, a fairly major loss for Brooklyn because if, if they have one position where they maybe couldn't afford to lose quite as much, it is the big man spot. I mean, this now we're back to how much can you depend on Blake Griffin? How much can you depend on, on the Nick Claxton versus DeAndre Jordan minutes at the five? So they have some things to figure out. But focusing on Aldridge specifically, I, I was asked on the DK show this morning, is LaMarcus Aldridge a Hall of Famer? My initial thought is no. And, and the more I think about it, I, I think I'm still on that side. With that said, based on how lenient the basketball Hall of Fame is, I would not be surprised if he gets in at some point. I was really surprised to see on the Basketball Reference Hall of Fame monitor, um, which it should, in my opinion, nothing against Basketball Reference, isn't quite as good as their their football or baseball models, which I think are like really accurate. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge has a 50.1% chance to get into the Hall of Fame, which is a lot higher than I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, I think I think based on the other people that are in the basketball Hall of Fame, it's like I would be surprised if he did not get in. I think to me, if you look at who else is in the Hall of Fame, I mean, his main thing is he's got five All NBA appearances, which is a right. That's a pretty good number of All NBA teams. Um, that pretty much like your whole prime, you were. Um, yep. You know. I want to say fringe MVP, but you were, you know, a top 15 player. And he also has 72 playoff games. And um, like being a part of that many playoff games and that many playoff series, I think does matter for the, or should matter for the hall of fame. Um, And he was good in the playoffs too. I mean, his numbers are all good, you know, 21 points a game. Um, The 45% shooting is a little lower than you'd like, but um, he's also, I looked up, he was second or he is second all time in career NBA lack of turnover percentage um mm. only behind ryan anderson but okay, yeah well that's the, the big two when you think of not turning it over right well it's correct but considering like aldridge is actually a high usage player that's a pretty significant mm-hmm. thing to do be that yeah have that low of a turnover rate for your career so um that, that shouldn't be the thing that like gets him into the hall <laughs> obviously but um like i think i think you'll probably yeah. get in 
So I'm looking on, on basketball reference. He's 51st all time in points, 71st all time in rebounds, 71st all time in blocks. So, I mean, to be top 75 in, in three major categories, um, I mean, that, that's that's impressive. I, I don't think I would have guessed that. I definitely would not have guessed that he made five all NBA teams. That's way more than I would have thought. I, I would have said like maybe two. Um, and a couple of those were second teams, three third teams. He was first team all rookie in 06, 07. Uh, what's the highest that you think he ever finished in a single season uh, MVP voting? Um, he, appeared, he appeared in the top 10 three times. I'll give you that. I would say sixth? Seventh. So in, okay. in 14, 15, he finished seventh. So I, I think if you're looking at it that way, that's probably his his absolute peak season, which seems about right. That's when he's still in Portland. Um, you know, he finished behind Curry, Harden, LeBron, Westbrook, Davis, Chris Paul, LaMarcus Aldridge. So in that individual season, I, I don't, I don't remember anyone saying like, Hey, LaMarcus Aldridge is the seventh best player in the league. But I mean, the way that, that, that the votes broke that season, there was a, a strong case that he was at the very least one of the 10 best players in the NBA. And if you can, if you can say that that was the case for you three to five times over a 10 year span, then you're, you're absolutely in the, the hall of fame discussion. Like, I don't want to dismiss it at all. If I was voting in five years, I, I still think he's a no for me. Would I be upset if after you know two or three rounds he ends up getting in? No, of course not. Right. He's he's interesting too because he I, it, it kind of feels like he is he might be kind of the last like gasp of air of that type of player. Yeah. Um Like a legitimate like mid range post up like power forward who wasn't really a center like a six eleven power forward who just will like you know, would lead the NBA in two point attempts <laughs> for like right. four seasons. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he was, and, and he, he did adapt his game. I mean, he's played a lot more center yeah. the last few years. He's become a much better shot blocker in his mid to late thirties than he was, you know, at, at his peak athletic years in his mid twenties. Um, but yeah, he, I, he definitely came into the league as more of the like Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Carl Malone, you know, that type of prototype, as opposed to the Porzingis towns, you know, even Embiid, whoever else you want to throw in there uh, that we see now more in the modern game. I think it's interesting if you if you just sort by Hall of Fame probability on on basketball reference and, and obviously the top like, you know, 60 guys or whatever are all in the Hall of Fame. Um, but if you skip down to kind of the 50 50s, the players that are closest to him on this list who all have relatively similar percentages, Yao Ming, Clay Thompson, Blake Griffin, Dennis Johnson, Joe Johnson, Sidney Moncrief. Uh, and then a little bit lower, we have Jimmy Butler and Ben Wallace. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a really interesting list. I mean, I feel like Clay Thompson. Well, Clay Thompson still has a career left, right? So like, I he's he's I, going I also to get Clay's, Clay's just won enough that he's like in right now. And I, I, yeah. I don't. This is where I think the formula doesn't account for like the team success aspect. And like Clay's not racking up All NBAs just because of the type of player that he is. Right. Other than that, I think him being around Blake Griffin makes sense. I think him being yeah. around Yao Ming makes sense, um, you know, because Yao Ming was definitely, I would say, better than Aldridge at his peak. Um, they both made the same amount of all NBA teams. Hey, um, if you want, if you want to have an Aldridge versus Yao Ming discussion, we can have it. Oh man, that's a that's an off season pod. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like a four part series. <laughs> you're you're a big Blake Griffin guy, and yeah. I I was as well, but it's, especially in his early days. How would you, if you had to say like one of these guys gets in, they're so different in terms of their careers. Um, I, I think it's pretty much inarguable that Blake had a higher peak. And it's also inarguable that LaMarcus Aldridge had a 
much longer and healthier and more reliable career. Um, you know, let, let's say let's say Blake is you know just kind of this type of guy the rest of the way, and there's never really a true resurgence where he adds to his resume. If you're if you're a voter and you can only put one of these guys in, which type of player do you lean toward? Like the guy who had like the insane four or five year peak, but was you know in and out and injured, or the guy who is just really dependably good for ten to twelve years. That's a tough call. Um, yeah, because I guess when it comes down to Hall of Fame voting. Well, they wouldn't be in the same class. It, yeah, I mean, it depends when, when they retire. Yeah, right. Um, I think I lean Blake. I mean, the, you know, the the accolades are practically identical. You know, Blake's, again, five-time All-NBA. Um, he won Rookie of the Year. He's played, I think, 20 fewer playoff games than Aldridge, which, you know, matters. But yeah, also came into the league, what? I mean, he and he missed his rookie year, so he came into the league a good, like, five years later. Yeah. But Blake's playoff numbers are better. You know, when he was available and when he was in the playoffs, yeah, his numbers were better. And I think, you know, if you are someone who definitely values, like, two-way ability more than Aldridge probably gets the nod because Griffin's never been a good defender. Um, I would lean Griffin right now, but I would, like, if I really wanted to definitively say, I'd probably have to, like, sit down and, and really think about it. I think I would side with you, uh, assuming you're taking Griffin. I I, I would yeah. more value the higher peak. Um, yeah, and, and Griffin was unbelievable. I, I think he you could argue that he hit his peak in some of those playoffs, kind of midway through last decade. Um, and and Aldridge, you know, had some nice playoff runs, but it was never like he's on this complete other level when you get into the postseason. You know, if you're discussing those two specifically, there's a difference of like 500 games played that would be taken into account, and and some people value the durability a lot more than others. I, I think the Joe Johnson comparison, like I'm glad that they're so close in probability. Like I, I think that's actually like a really, that's a really close case. Like I, I feel like Joe Johnson held on a little bit longer and, and obviously based on what we saw from Aldridge the last few weeks, I mean, I think he probably had a couple more years in him if he, if he really wanted to. And, and obviously he didn't want to risk it with this heart thing, but you know, physically outside of the, the heart issue, he was, he was doing just fine. But I, I think Joe Johnson's total career versus LaMarcus Aldridge's total career, even if you're just taking like their 10 best years are extremely comparable. Yeah, I think so too. They are. The only thing that Johnson doesn't have, he only has one all NBA selection as opposed to his seven all-star selections. So that, that's a very, that's a really big yeah. difference. Do you, like, do you feel like there's like a positional discrepancy that we're missing or something? Cause like, I, I do feel like those guys were for the most part on the same level. And you know, Joe Johnson made his first all-star game LaMarcus Aldridge's rookie year. So for the most part, you know, a lot of their primes overlapped. Like, were, was there just like a, just a dearth of like great guards in the East at that time that would prevent him from making it? Um, I mean, Wade would be in there. Yeah, I guess it doesn't um, even have to be just the East for all NBA. Yeah. And I mean, LeBron at that time as well. I think he was depending. a guard at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So I we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think it would have been, I mean, Chris Paul would be in there. Well, it's not like there weren't great forwards, though. Right. Yeah. I mean, I Duncan mean, was still making all NBAs in like 2015. Yep. So. Yeah. I, we would have to this is a this is a situation where it's like you actually have to go back and like mm-hmm. look at all all the all NBA teams and realize like was it just impossible for Joe Johnson to get in? Yeah. Well I think it's like if, if Joe Johnson gets in, then Lamarcus Aldridge gets in and vice versa. Yeah, I, I almost think they're the measuring stick for each other. They're just such similar careers. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's take a look at some of the over under numbers and if you can remember all the way back to November and, and December, when we made our picks and, and most of the sites at the time, there was a lot of questions as to how many games teams were going to end up playing. And, you know, we're finally kind of out of this. Um, and and we'll, we'll touch on, I guess, one recent development as, as it pertains to COVID today. But it does look like all teams are going to end up playing 72 games. But back in December, that was much less of a certainty. So we were pretty much going by win percentages instead of the normal over under win totals. So I, I just kind of wanted to take a look back with about a month left in the season and not go through team by team, but just take a look at some of the teams that are well on their way to blowing those numbers out of the water. Some of the teams that have completely underwhelmed and then a few of the teams that are, it's going to kind of come down to those final two or three games. Yeah. I think um, this was like a, it was kind of a weird year to even try to like, I would have, not felt any confidence in any number I picked like over under win totals because of, mm-hmm. you know, the COVID situation. Um, and, you know, if we had known how many like missed games there would actually be, I think like a lot of people might take the under more often on so many of these numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me, but, before you, before you proceed, let me ask you this. Has it been better or worse than you expected it would be in December? Um, I think I think it's about kind of what I expected, honestly, because I was always pretty pe- pessimistic about like, how is this really going to work without the bubble when there's not a vaccine and like people are just like, you know, I know the amount of times that I don't want to get into the whole <laughs> I don't want to get into like the specifics of coronavirus. But like um, I was pretty pessimistic about the whole thing. So like when I the real surprise for me was that these postponed games are actually being played. Yeah. Again, and that they would that and that they were rescheduled. I was like, well, of course, these games are being quote. I thought they were being like, quote unquote, postponed, like wink, wink. Uh, like, yeah, we'll make these games up. I, I would have never imagined the NBA tried to jam all those games into the back end of the schedule. I just thought, like, there's no way you'd have these teams playing like six games and nine nights or, mm-hmm. you know, like it's you know back to back and then a game off and then a back to back. Like that to me was insane. Um, and that would have like kind of influenced if I had known that that would have influenced me probably taking a lot more unders. Cause I'm like, how many, you know, like stars are going to sit all the time. I, I thought we would see more complete shutdowns. You know, there's, there's a point I think in maybe January where 
it was you know it was reported that the league was just considering like a two-week break to let everybody heal up essentially and, <laughs> and be free of the virus and i i kind of thought we were going to see something like that i saw i thought we would see at one point like you know throughout the season half the league would would have like a, a two-week period where they're just not playing and it happened to a few teams early on and then it kind of faded away so from that perspective i i think it's been a little bit better than i thought it would be but i, I remember like right before the season started the league put out that like weirdly harshly worded press release about rest and you know when you can do it and you know don't <laughs> yeah. do it on back-to-backs at home and all whatever and like I remember thinking like I, I had to write something up for the site on like what does this mean for fantasy and my point was basically like I don't think it means anything because the league's not going to enforce it like they have no leverage to enforce this whatsoever the players are already begrudgingly playing the season there's no chance that they're going to enforce this and has one team even been like questioned on any of their injuries this year no no, only only by people on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, well, that's getting that's getting just out of control at this point. But yeah, I so from that perspective, it's been worse. Uh, I guess if, if you're like a fantasy player or you're somebody who is really betting on these over unders, or it's just it's become so ridiculously unpredictable. And we can speak to that firsthand as people who literally you know track and write up this news every single day, seven days a week throughout the entire season. It has been you know just absolutely bananas compared to previous years. In terms of just the random, you know, ninth man on the Raptors is questionable for his 15th straight game. You know, like that that doesn't happen in a normal year. No. And then, you know, it, it feels more and more like the injury designations don't mean anything. Yep. Guys go from doubtful to probable all the time. You know, the Thunder the other day had like Isaiah Roby and Josh Hall actually just like ruled out. And then like an hour before tip, they were like, they're good to go. They're available. And Roby's starting. Um, so it's just like. <laughs> It's 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 a crazy environment right now. And I don't you know, I would not be like, I don't even really play. This is probably the least I've ever played DFS because I know that if I make a lineup that I will have to just like look at it and like watch the news the rest mm -hmm. of the night because of late swap. Right. Um, and I just like <laughs> I want to do other things with my life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you just kind of be throwing money away uh, at that point if you weren't looking at it. Right. And and the other thing, I mean, this is kind of a just in the weeds of our of our jobs type of point. But you know, at RotoWire, we you know we do a little player update every time there's a change in the starting lineup. I would say during a normal season, you know, if there's like a if it, let's say there's ten games on the slate that night, you know, maybe three of the twenty teams in action are using a different lineup from their previous game. Honestly, now it feels like 70% of the teams are using a new lineup. It's like there, you, you'll see like I, that Jonathan Fagan from the, the Houston Chronicle. I think that the Rockets have used like 32 different starting lineups this year or something crazy like that. Like, and, and there's a number of teams that are in that same situation. I think the Thunder are over 20 at yep. this point. There's just been no consistency day to day. And I think a lot of that is the amount of back-to-backs being stepped up. And, and, and again, this goes back to my original point that when the league said, you know, we're, we're cracking down on rest on back-to-backs, uh, it's a little tougher to do when when you got guys drop it down with torn ACLs, guys who were playing into the bubble and you know in late September, um, the league just didn't really have much of a leg to stand on to enforce things like that. No, not really. I guess part of that too is affected like how we can like it it makes it harder to tell like how many of these wins are like quote unquote real wins. Oh yeah. You know like when we especially when we're going to do playoff previews, you know if I'm like if we're previewing you know, 76ers heat or whatever in the first round. And we go back and we look at, okay, these teams have played four times this year. And then we're going to discover that like 
only 75% of the team was healthy for like one of the games. <laughs> it's like, yeah. so what are we even looking at here? Yeah, I, I ran into that uh, doing a show last week where I think it, the, the Sixers and the Celtics, I think, played last week. And I was looking back I'm like, oh, Philly dominated the, the last two games they played. And that was when the Celtics had no Jason Tatum for like a month. You know, it's like right. you have to throw out entire swaths of the season, which just don't really count based on the team that we're going to see in the playoffs. Right. So back to the over-unders, Utah, Phoenix, Philly. Those are the three teams that are crushing their preseason numbers. And I mean, barring like losing every game the rest of the way are, are going to cruise to those totals. The team's going way under. Toronto is by far the biggest disappointment relative to their number. Uh, the Raptors are, per basketball reference, uh, the playoff probabilities page, they're on pace for a little under 30 wins, about a win percentage of like 41%. Their preseason number on DraftKings was 59%. <laughs> that is not good. Uh, the Warriors are, are going to come in under, it looks like. Um, obviously, they've had a, just a complete up and down season. And then Boston is the other one. And, and part of this is, is DraftKings was just really high on Boston. Their number was 63.5% for their win percentage. Uh, they're on pace for about 54.5%. So not, not as dramatic as Toronto, but still a pretty notable drop-off. Yeah, I always kind of thought the Celtics number was crazy. Um, yeah. Like, I just didn't think they had, I thought they lost a lot of talent with Gorgon Hayward. And that was like being completely swept under the, uh, under the rug by a lot of people acting like Gorgon Hayward was like, not, you know, not like not the team's like third best player, like most nights. Um, and, uh, yeah. And as far as like Toronto goes, I can't say I saw this coming, but I, I think we should have thought more about what, losing Ibaka and Gasol actually meant for them and like had Gasol been on the team this year it wouldn't have mattered because he's just frankly like not that good but just the the fact that he like would not be there in any like great like the fact that his skill drop off was so much would have hurt them too um and yeah that's um <laughs> the Warriors thing did you guys did you and James do the over under pod before or after Clay's injury that was after Clay's injury Okay. I believe because that so was that, that was the night of the draft. So I think we would have done this after the draft. Okay. Yeah, actually, and that makes sense for the number because they they had them at like fifty four percent. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think I think people were assuming Wiseman would be better, and I, I think for sure, you know, if Wiseman was playing like a number one pick, they would be, they would be in the playoffs like definitely. You know, they'd be like the sixth seed. Yeah, they're they're they'd getting be, negative value, aggressively negative value out of Wiseman, who's now done for the year. I mean, like, Ubre was terrible early on. Yeah. He's had some nice runs, but overall, that's been a disappointment. I mean, Wiggins has just been Andrew Wiggins. Like, there, I think that, like, the the there's this belief, I think, that, you know, year two with the Warriors, there was going to be this Warriors culture that would magically lift him up. And after, you know, eight mediocre seasons, he would suddenly blossom into the player that we thought he could be in 2013. Uh, that, is not, that has not been the case. I want to reiterate. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that number, I think, made sense. It was 54 uh, 0.5% was their, their projected winning percentage before the year. The thing is, like, I remember discussing this with James, and our main point was, this is going over if Steph doesn't get hurt. If Steph gets hurt, it's going under. And my the reason I took the under on that one is because I, I didn't think Steph was going to hold up. And, I mean, it turns out that really hasn't been the issue for them. No, I, well, I mean, I think you guys must have done this pod before. Draymond 
and Wiseman got put in protocols during training yeah. camp, right? Because Draymond, Draymond, what did he miss, like 10 games at the beginning of the season or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Um, and they were like, yeah, I mean, they, they only four games. It felt like an eternity. Um, but they were, you know, like they were getting he, beat by like 35 plus routinely until Draymond got back. Right. Um, yeah. And he, it, it's like so clear that they need him on the court, but he's even kind of a shell of himself offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's great. Like he's great doing everything except scoring the basketball at this point. He's gotten even worse at that, um, yeah. which he was already in a bad spot. <clears throat> and yeah, not getting anything on Wiseman was rough and the, yep. the tough Ubre stretch. There's just a, like a lot that went wrong for them. And I think if things had gone right, you know, if even if Clay had gotten hurt still and Ubre didn't have that terrible stretch and Draymond was like ready to go by the time the season started, they could be they could be like pushing up against that 54 yeah. percent number. Yeah, I was I was surprised that with how weird this season has been that there weren't more dramatic you know like 10 percentage points one way or the other swings like for the most part like if you just sort by the highest win percentage in each in each uh conference there's not a ton of outliers you know like the, obviously the jazz and the suns um jump up quite a bit in the west but you know the, the lakers I, I, their, their number was 66 and a half percent that's about a 48 win pace in a 72 game season i think they were going to be probably right on that if not they're i think they're probably on track to go over without the injuries. And then obviously if you had said, Hey, LeBron's going to miss 20 games and Anthony Davis is going to miss 35 games. Uh, most people would take the under on that one. Um, I mean, the Clippers number was 65 and a half percent and they're at 68% right now. The Nuggets, their number was 60 and a half and they're at 63. Uh, maybe they come down a little bit without Murray. So, I mean, Vegas was right on uh, with a lot of these, especially in the West. The Timberwolves number though was 41 and a half and they're, current win percentage is 25 percent <laughs> the uh yeah i think i think there is still i mean you can understand why people were like uh you know had some hope for the for the wolves i think i even had more hope than this mm-hmm. you know because beasley showed that he was a good player and you figure well you know anthony edwards maybe he comes in and he plays well and d'angelo russell like you know maybe him and towns the chemistry works out but i think people weren't taking into account how bad D'Angelo Russell is on defense and that essentially negates his offense. Um, and I was also not expecting Ricky Rubio to be washed up. Um, that was kind of a shocking development that like R- Ricky Rubio is like a 38% field goal shooter, you know, like it's not getting anything out of him. And then once you look at how bad the bench is, I mean, the bench is awful, like really bad. And they're not getting anything out of Jarrett Culver you know, they're not getting anything out of like Juan, uh, Juan Hernan Gomez, who they thought might be the starter. Yeah, um, I, I remember <laughs> like having forward. a serious discussion about that. Yeah, like really like it's it's unbelievable. So I think I think a lot of times you can look at the bench and if like it's if you think the bench is one of the worst benches you've ever seen, then it's probably safer to take the under than yeah. the over. Yeah, I mean, I think in retrospect, we probably and I feel like we were factoring in a lot of absences, but to me, back in December, when I'm picturing COVID absences, like I'm, I'm only thinking about like the star players. You know, you, you don't really think about like, what if you're missing, you know, six of your best role players, like like the Raptors kind of were at times this year. It's like that that also affects your team quite a bit. Even if one or two of your stars are still healthy, if you have to basically be playing G League guys 25 minutes a night when they should be playing zero minutes a night, that's that's going to have a major impact as well. I would be remiss if we didn't mention the Knicks. I completely forgot to include them on my list of teams that jumped up 
they were tied for the lowest win percentage projection of any team in the entire league. The Knicks and the Cavaliers were at 30.5%. And as we sit right now on Thursday, the New York Knicks have a 51.8 win percentage. <laughs> so they're in no danger of losing that one. Hey, it's Tom Thibodeau. Um, it is. I think I think it made sense to take the over in terms of like, well, you know, um, if there's if there is a year that things kind of get together on the court for the, the Knicks, it's the year that Tom Thibodeau is there. But I also don't blame anybody for taking the under because on, on paper, this roster just like isn't good. You know, it's yeah, it's a lot of Alfred Payton. I mean, I've RJ Barrett's been a lot better this season. Um, he started off pretty slow, but like. He's he's kind of rounding into form now. Like I think he's I think everyone's comfortable with you know he's comfortable in his role. Julius Randle's emergence. I don't know I don't know if that was like real development on his part or if it was just Tom Thibodeau realizing that he's the clear best player on the team and just like like giving Randle the ball and saying like just act like you're the best player on the team like you are that control this team offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them in the playoffs. As weird as I guess to say, I think they'll be fun. All right, we'll end on this. The Chicago Bulls, preseason percentage, 41.5. They're not far off that at all. In fact, they're at 40.7 right now. Uh, James and I, or James went under on the Bulls. I went over, so this will be an interesting one to track. But uh, very rapidly moving in the wrong direction. Uh, We we find out on Thursday that Zach Levine is going to miss at least 10 to 14 days after entering health and safety protocols. I think reading between the lines on this one, he probably has the virus I, to, to get that sort of timetable that quickly. You know, there's been a lot of like game to game and all of a sudden it's, it's been seven games and you don't really realize it. But to get that timetable up front uh, is, is pretty damning. And they're coming off of a horrendous loss to the Magic the other night. So looking ahead, if Levine misses two full weeks, that would mean eight more games he'll miss. The nice thing is their schedule is pretty soft during that stretch. They do have two games against Miami, but other than that, you're looking at multiple games against Cleveland. Uh, You catch Charlotte, you get Memphis in there. Uh, They do play at Boston. So uh, some winnable games, but I mean, with with how they've been looking right now, you take Levine out of the equation. I mean, like I said, let's say he misses eight games. I mean, I think they'd be pretty lucky to go like three and five in that stretch. (laughs) I think so. I mean, since the deadline, they're three and eight. Yeah. And they've like, they've had some, a lot of those weren't easy games, but three and eight's a pretty bad number. Um, and you know, <laughs> for like, for a team that like loaded up at the deadline, not yeah. a team that sold at the deadline. Yep, for a team that loaded up, um, Zach Levine off the court, they're basically like a minus two team. Yeah. Um, now a lot of those minutes are like, you know, like the Wendell Carter, you know, like that the the previous version of the team. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It's just going to be a lot of Kobe White. I think Kobe White's going to have to do his best Zach Levine impression. Um, and we kind of saw him do that at points like last year, but he has not been the same player. You know, he's been coming off the bench and being like a six man for them. Um, I do not have high hopes for them. Uh, you know, <laughs> Vujovic can only carry a team so far. Um, yeah, he, he's suddenly back on the magic. He's <laughs> yeah, very quickly. Um you know, is going to be like, you know, Thad Young is on his left, Sararansky's on his right. It's like, oh, man, wasn't I just here? Yeah, we're going to see a lot of Kobe White. We're going to see a fair amount of Garrett Temple. I think yep. we're going to see a decent amount of Denzel Valentine, uh, possibly some Ryan Archie Diacono reentering the rotation. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, when you, you can never really replace a 28 point per game score, but the Bulls, I mean, they, they're going to need Kobe White to have like an all time hot streak, which he's shown very little capable capability, uh, I should say, of doing that this year. You're 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 now going back to the guy who you benched a month ago, uh, and now asking him to be, I guess, your number two option offensively right now. Like, is is Thaddeus Young the number two guy? I don't I don't even know. Uh wow. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, I mean, Markkanen's playing like 17 minutes a night at this point. Yeah, Markkanen, that that situation's strange. I think it is Kobe White, but um, <laughs> I think it's Kobe White. It's bad. It's bad. All right, man. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, we got a small slate on Thursday night. I, I think this is the smallest remaining slate of the entire season. Just four games tonight, and then we're back to full schedules Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, basically in, until the end of the season. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.